At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. There's so much that has to be taken in to understand why we value certain things in life and, and why we should, why we need to understand that um, life is not just about us. I mean, it's just not. Uh, that's probably one of the greatest revelations you could ever get in your life, that life does not center around you. And the more we can get a hold of that and realize that, the better off we are because we were created to be a team player. And it, and it, was, it was set up this way from before the foundation of the world. But the body of Jesus Christ, His physical body, became the body which is the church. Ephesians 1 says, the body is the church. And He became that. And what the church was before it became the church, it was the house of God. Old Testament, it was the house of God. And we'll read this verse in a moment, but in, in 1 Timothy 3 it says, the house of God is the church. And when you think of a body and all the parts of the body, to think that you could be the hand and you don't need the rest of the, of the body, I mean, that's just silly. But that's what happens. When we don't understand the value of connection, that's what we're like because you're just a part. He was the whole shooting match. He was the whole banana. But you and I are just a part. And so, I need Joey. Joey needs me. I need Vanessa, uh, Veronica, whatever her name is. <clears throat> I better not start naming names and I get all messed up. Then you get people mad at you and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. No, not around here. We don't have time to be mad, right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't have time to be mad. We're glad. But <clears throat> we need each other. And, 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 but you've got, you've got to own that. You've got to get that. It's, it's not, you, you can hear, and I'm going to share with you about the value of it today and all of that, but you've got to get it because the hope of the world is the church getting what I'm talking about. That's the hope of the world. That's why it's such an exciting time to be alive because the church is winning. I mean, I mean, I know I'm not the only one on the planet that believes that. I know that. I, I, I am not afraid today, honestly, because of Him, because of my relationship with Him, I'm not afraid of anything that's out there. I'm not afraid to go anywhere on planet Earth. I'm not afraid to do anything 
that God tells me to do. The safest place you can be is where God told you to go. Thinking you can just go anywhere because, well, I'm protected. Well, that's what the Word says. The Word says that the angels of God protect us and they, and they protect you. All of that's true. But what trumps that is the Holy Spirit revealing to you the now word for you in a situation. I can only do what He says, and we got to believe that. And all of that comes through connection, and that's what I'm starting today and I want to talk to you about today. Proverbs 29 and verse 18, I'm going to read it in two translations. In the New King James first, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Man, I like that translation. Where there is no revelation. The King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay? The King James says that. So I'm going to give you these couple of different translations in different, or these uh, two different translations to give you some different thoughts about what I really feel like is, was said here in the book of Proverbs. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Then in the Amplified translation, it says this, where there is no vision, and in parentheses, he defines what vision is. Redemptive, redemptive revelation of God, says the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. So, I want you to look for a moment. I'm going to give you these definitions of these two words. The word redemption and the word revelation. And the word redemption, my definition to you today is acting to save one, someone from error or evil. The healing power of redemptive love. That's what we know through the blood of Jesus. He saved us from error and from evil. He delivered us. Can you say amen to that? The word revelation, I'm giving you this definition. Many definitions of this word, but I'm giving you this. The divine or supernatural disclosure to humans. Everybody say, that's me. So he said, the divine or supernatural disclosure to you of something relating to human existence or the world. So, how to operate in and on planet earth, not just on your own. So, he, so in, in the verse that we just read in Proverbs 29, 18, in the Amplified, he said, where there is no redemptive revelation, people perish. The New King James says, people cast off restraint. And the restraint that he's talking about in our lives are, is, is protective restraint. In other words, When there's no vision, when there's no redemptive revelation, then we just do it our own way. Hmm? 
We go with Frank and we did it my way. Singing the song all along. And in our lives, literally we're perishing. Because we're not fulfilling the plan of God. Where there's no vision, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. So, we have to keep, we have to work very hard at keeping vision. The thing about vision or the redemptive revelation of God, when it's not something that's ongoing, people begin to lose it. They begin to stray from it. It's there for a while, but then after a while they get bored with it and they begin to stray. And in your straying, you become a blamer. Because when things aren't working out, it can't be because you got off of it. It's got to be because of what so-and-so did. So in life, we begin to blame everybody except ourselves in taking responsibility for what we haven't done. A lot of times people get bored with being consistent and faithful to the Word of God. Get bored, get tired of it. But God is constantly, the the great thing about redemptive revelation is that it's constantly new and it's fresh. And when you stay with revelation, even when, you know, when God reveals something to you, and it seems like you're on the same things for a, a long period of time, it's because God knows you haven't got it yet. And until you get it, why should new things come to you until you get what it is that, you're, that you need to get? I'm not talking about just knowing what it says. I'm talking about experiencing it and living in it. Yeah, well, Pastor, what does this have to do with connection? You'll see. You'll see. Jeremiah 23 and verse 3. He said, but I'll gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Notice everything in that passage, in those two verses of Scripture, Everything is about what God said He would do. Hmm? I'm an under-shepherd in the five-fold ministry. We teach on that here. We believe that here. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. And He said He would bring, He would set up people that would be willing to to stand up against anything and not be moved by people or situations or what people think or what public opinion says and bring the Word so that, so that you won't be in fear, you'll not be dismayed, nor shall you lack anything. Today, in the part that we're talking about being connected to the body, to the church, to the house of God, the house of God, which is the church, which is His body in the earth, being connected to that, the value of it, the more you understand the value of that, the more you see these things happen, but He set it up. 
It's not me trying to preach to you in such a way to make you feel guilty because of what you haven't done. It's me bringing the Word to encourage you. The Word will always encourage if you're open to receive. Many times in the receiving part, we have to change some of our ways. We have to change some of the ways of thinking that we've had to connect to what God is saying. Can you say amen to that? 1 Kings 9 and verse 3. And the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. Notice, whose name's on the house? Not Pastor so-and-so. The name on the house has to be His name. Can you say amen? Did you hear what I said? Right? The house of God is the church of God, is the body of Jesus Christ. And notice what he said, when his name is on it forever, he said, my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. My eyes and my heart, God said, will be on his house perpetually. New Testament, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. To value your connection to the house of God is to know you're not going to get this kind of information anywhere else. You're not going to get it in most schools. You're not going to get it in the jobs you work. You're not going to get it in most of the retail businesses that you walk into. You won't get this kind of teaching. People put their stock and their faith in so many other things when God said, my eyes and my heart are on my house when it has a shepherd that I put there to bring my word Because it's my word that will deliver you and make you free. It's my word that will give you redemptive revelation so that you'll increase, that you'll not be in fear, you'll not be dismayed. Those three things just right there are the hope of the world. Everybody's looking for those three things. Everybody wants to prosper. Huh? Everybody's tired of being afraid of everything that's under the sun and just totally dismayed, overworked, overdone, stressed out. And when you value your connection to the house of God, all those things are either removed or manifested. Fear removed. Blessing and prosperity manifested. Because that's what he said. Did you hear what I said? I said what he said. So, the truth of the matter is we have to fight to stay unified and not separated. We have to fight for that. The level of of success... 
Don't forget this today when you leave here. Do not forget what I'm telling you right here. Your level of success in your worldly connections will be determined by your spiritual connections. Just the way it is. You know what's difficult about spiritual connections? Is that your spiritual connection is tied to natural things. And the problem is, you're never going to find a perfect house. Not in this life. Right? When we're done here, He's going to make a new here and a new there. Hmm? And things will be perfect. But here, you're going to always find a flaw here or there. Something you don't like. In your spiritual connections. Not, not to mention all, all the other natural connections that you want to dropkick people out of. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, if what you're connected to, they're not doing anything illegal, immoral, or things that go against the Word of God, then the Bible says you got to flow. Well, you know, I just don't think Pastor ought to wear his shirt untucked. <laughs> One Sunday morning, my dad was sitting over here. He was in town. <laughs> and after the service, he told me, he said, no, because yeah, I had a jacket on too. He said, why don't you tuck your shirt in? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't like it tucked in. It's binding. I mean, I'll tuck it in sometimes, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah? But that's not a reason to stray. Things that you don't like about something that go up, that's not a reason to stray. We have to stay connected. In this thing that is called the body of Jesus Christ, if you saw, if you looked at the body, if you looked at it in regards to like a chain, the reason that you have to value the connection to the body and what's taught is because you have to grow up to be an effective piece. Because if it's a chain, and the strength of the chain, you know, is determined by its weakest, its weakest link, what makes the links of the chain of the church weak is unbelief. And you've got to know what unbelief is. Because everybody sitting in here today has it. Everybody sitting in here today has unbelief within their soul, in things that they're dealing with, and you've got to rid yourself of it day by day by day through your daily routine of God's Word and believing what the Word says and not the way things appear to be. Because where the devil gets people is he convinces people that what you see, what you hear, how you feel, the way things appear to be 
are more real than God's promises. And that's a lie. That's why connection is so vital. Can you say amen? Matthew 5 and verse 14. And I'm going to read these three verses in the message translation. Jesus said this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. Come on. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father who is in heaven. This is what you're connected to. I love the way it's worded there. That's who we are, but we have to be that way together. You cannot be a lone ranger with your ideas moving in whatever direction you want to move in and be effective in the truth of God's Word. Where where the Word worked for Jesus, He was our perfect example, and the Word worked for Him in a perfect way, and it operated in and through Him only for the most part in the three and a half years that, of His earthly ministry before He was crucified and all that went on with Him. It worked through the one man, but it won't work through a one man today, one woman today. It works through the body. And you have to have the parts, and you have to have your heart tuned to His way of thinking and operating, and you'll never do that being a lone ranger and not being connected to something that's bigger than you are. Not going to happen. Jesus said, I'll build my parachurch ministry. He said, I'll build my church, which is made up of all kinds of ministry. Everybody in here has a ministry. Everybody. I don't care who you are. You're first and foremost called to the ministry of reconciling people back to God. That's your first calling before you do anything else. But to be effective, we have to be connected. Can you say amen? <clears throat> I'm going to read just a piece of a verse. It's actually the second part of one verse. And it's actually talking about marriage. And I'm going to use this verse, and I believe I... I mean, I've asked God about it. I don't want to take something out of context, but I'm going to use it in true connection. My wife and I are married, and we're connected. We're one. But I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to give you some definitions of what this connection and companionship looks like. Matthew 19 and verse 6, the last part of it. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And we know this is talking about the marriage covenant. 
There's no stronger covenant on planet earth than the marriage covenant. There's no, more, there's no stronger power of agreement on planet earth than when a married couple are actually in agreement together and agreeing they will see things manifest and happen in a greater way than I think anywhere else. You say, well, I'm not married and that limits me. I didn't say that. I've just said, I've not found any greater agreement on planet earth than when my wife and I are actually in agreement. I'm not talking about just praying or just throwing some stuff out there, going through the motions of something. I'm talking about when we're in agreement. No greater relationship. But the rest of of my message today, I want to focus on this about different relationships in the Bible. I'm going to give you three relationships in the Bible where there was a connection by God that was never broken. And I I want to show you these But I want to give you this definition. A definition of being joined together is a companionship, a couple, a pair, a team. And even though it's talking about marriage, I want to look at it as anyone who has joined to further his purpose. When we join as a team, let nobody divide that. Now, this is, this is what I believe very strongly as a pastor, is that people's destinies in their life are connected to their connection with the local church, because that's what Jesus is building. He's building that. And He's not building the church just with people. The church is not just a building with people in it. The church is within us. We are the church. Say, I am the church. Amen? And when we get on the same page and we get in agreement and we don't allow anything to separate us, what can happen on planet earth? The earth's hope is the church I'm talking about today. It's the church. This congregation of people is part of that church. Did you hear what I said? It's His church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against a group of people, a congregation of people that are building something together where they can't be separated. I will not be offended. I will not take an offense. I will not allow anything to get... I don't care what it is. pastor wants to wear his shirt like that. I will not be offended. Or whatever it is. Can you say amen? Amen. So, in relation to the church, I want to look at a couple things here. And I I, I I want to give you these six things that have to do with what divine connections produce. Number one, they produce opportunities. When there are divine connections, when you're connected by God, that's why when 
Anybody that's sitting in here today, more than likely, when you came here for the first time or you talked to me for the first time and you said you were visiting here, you were coming here, I always said, I've always said, well, I'm believing for you to find the right place. Because it's not just any place and it's not just where you think you want to be. You need to be where God wants you. And I'm in agreement that you will find that because if you're not supposed to be here, you don't need to be here. But if you're supposed to be here and you go somewhere else, it's going to hinder you. Because divine connections like what we're talking about today, they produce opportunities. They produce open doors. Divine connections produce um, many times a a person or an individual that is a key to your destiny. Connections like this. I've, I've lived my life paying attention along the way to connections that people need. I'm always, you know, as I'm praying, you know, so-and-so needs to meet so-and-so. Why? I'm not, I'm not trying to force people together, but if God spoke something to me and that person needs to be connected, then I just need, and my part is to invite them, so I invite them to meet each other, and I've seen time and time and time and time again through the years how people get connected that way. This isn't a selfish thing. You don't want to keep people as friends and, well, you know, you can't be friends with them because you're my friend. Get away. No. <clears throat> Anyway, but we got to get rid of that mess. It's, it's junk. It's contamination. It hinders the advancement of the kingdom. We're here for the kingdom, not for ourselves. Woo! Glory to God. I'm preaching myself happy. Divine connections, they produce um, a person that's a key to your spiritual growth. I think I saw Josh post something on social media the other day, uh, thanking Dale for his connection to him because of how Dale has helped him through the years so much. And when I saw that, I thought, you know, I remember the day when Josh was dealing with something in his life years ago, and I went to Dale and I said, Dale, I I need you to meet with Josh. I need you to go have coffee with him and, you know, uh, don't let Josh wear you out. No. But, but no, I just said, just go have coffee with him and, and find the time with him. And that's been an ongoing, lasting relationship that someone says, well, you know, so, so Dale's pastoring Josh? Yeah, absolutely right. You're not threatened by that? Why would I be threatened? If, if Dale's giving him things that I couldn't give him, then why would I want to try to do that? I'll wear myself out. I I did that for a lot of years. And as a result of that, there's a connection that's there. But you you know what there's not there? Listen to me. You know what there's not there? Dale didn't latch on to Josh and bring Josh into his little cubby. And he's he's one of my guys now. No, that's demonic. And that's not the church. Because we're not to make followers after us. We're to make followers of Him. Can you say amen to that? People sometimes say that, you know, 
well, I, I'm not available enough, or I don't give this. I mean, I'm, I'm available all the time, but I can't do everything. And I won't do everything. I tried doing everything for a while in the first few years, but it didn't work. And I won't do everything, but I pray for you every single day. And Paul said, that's what you need more than anything is for somebody to be praying over you and speaking over your life. And I tell you, I never miss. Hmm. You can be guaranteed that I pray for you. If you're part of this body, you come to this body. Even if you're somebody that's just thinking about coming, I still pray for you every day. I declare it over you every day. I, I'm praying for people that haven't even thought about coming yet. Praying before they get there. Well, can you do that? He told me I could, so I do it. I've done it for seven years now. <clears throat> Amen. So we have to realize the importance of how there are key people in our connections that help our spiritual growth. Number five, we have to, we have to understand that divine connections teach us how to sacrifice. Divine connections teach us how to sacrifice. And there's something about that that you have to get and you have to take ownership of for you to be exalted by God. And the, and the sixth thing that divine connections produce or, or te teach us, give us, is it teaches us how to be loyal. It teaches us loyalty. To be loyal to the house in spite of the house. Remember, the house is the, the spiritual connection, but it's tied to natural things. Every one of us, myself included, could choose to be upset or frustrated with some of the natural things that go on with church life or, or, or whatever. And you could be offended by those things. Not letting the natural affect the spiritual because I'm growing spiritually. And being connected to the house, you're going to grow spiritually because you will never from this pulpit ever hear me rant and rave and get political or do this, that. We preach the Word. That's what the pulpit's for. It's the Word. Can you say amen? We may have an interjecting opinion every once in a while, but it's only if God says. But for the most part, you don't need my opinion. You need to hear the word preached. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so the truth is, and I think I already said this once, but I'm saying it to you again. The truth is, nobody can make it on their own. Amen? Nobody can make it on their own. In the New Testament... Paul and Timothy are a great example of a true connection in their relationship. Um, Timothy made Paul great, and their connection made Timothy great. Just think about that for a moment. I'm going to say that to you again. Paul, uh, Timothy made Paul great, and their connection, through their connection, it made Timothy great. Timothy knew that his destiny was connected to the Apostle Paul, and he was willing to die for him and do whatever it took. Because what Paul was enveloped in was a passion to
to advance the kingdom. And he knew it took connections to see that established. There's a great story, and I don't have time to read much of it, but I want to read this out of the book of Ruth. There's a great story about regarding uh, Naomi and Ruth in the Old Testament, um, in the book of Ruth. It'd be good, it's only like, book of Ruth is, I think, what, four chapters? Yeah, about four chapters. It's a good read. Um, And Naomi, who is a Jew, Naomi, some really, you know, got married, great things were happening, she had two boys, and then all of a sudden her her husband died. And both of her boys got married, and Ruth married one of her boys, and then both of her boys died. And Naomi's heading back to Bethlehem, and as she's going, her two daughter-in-laws are with her, and she stops along the way and she tells her daughter-in-laws, you know what, you need to go back to your parents. I'm old in age. I'm not going to be married again. I'm not going to have any more sons. And she said, even if I did have more sons, if I got married and had more sons, what are you going to do? Wait for them to get old enough to marry them? She said, you need to go find you husbands. And they both said, no, there's no way. I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. On and on and on. And finally, not Ruth, but the other daughter-in-law agreed and left and went to her parents. And Ruth says this in the first chapter and the 16th verse. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, because she was, she was of a, another group of people, another tribe. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Naomi was bitter. She mentioned it a number of times when you read the passage. As she's headed back to Bethlehem, she's bitter. She's blaming God. God took her husband and her two boys, and she's upset. But Naomi tried to get rid of Ruth. The other daughter-in-law left finally. She, she fought it too, but finally left. But Naomi was trying to get rid of her, so she wasn't trying to get her to stay with her. She was trying to get rid of her. But her connection to Naomi was in her heart. I want you to think about this. How how valuable is my connection to the things God wants me to be connected to? How valuable is this? Watch this. 
Ruth says this. They get back to Bethlehem. Long story short, one of her family members, Boaz, has a field in, you know, in Ruth's situation because she was a foreigner. You know, she could be raped or done all kinds of horrible things could be done to her. But Naomi tells her, you go and find my, my relative Boaz, and he will let you work in the fields with him and the, and, and the ladies that work in his field, and they'll protect you. And so she had told her, I'll do anything you tell me to do. So she went. And long story short, Ruth and Boaz marry. And it wasn't a forced marriage. Actually, Boaz tried to get everything that she was and Naomi was and, and the land from Naomi's father and everything that, that belonged there. It was going to come through Ruth. But the person had to marry Ruth for them to receive it. And so there was another relative that Boaz went to and said, look, I'm giving you this opportunity first. Well, the guy wanted the land, but if he married Ruth, it would mess up what he was receiving his way. And he said, I can't do it. And he had already promised Ruth that if this relative doesn't take it, I'll take you. And he did, and she did, and they did. And they married. And I want you just to hear this. Salmon was the father of Boaz. See how vital, remember, this was in Ruth's heart to stay connected to Naomi. When it's in your heart to stay connected to what God wants you to be connected to, there's a future that you can't see. Watch this. Boaz was the father of Obed, who was the son of Ruth and, and, and Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed, so it's Ruth's son. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. David was the lineage connected to our Savior, Jesus Christ. All of that happened because the connection from the heart she stayed true to. I remind you what she told Naomi. I mean, there had to be all kinds of reports about how dangerous it was for this Moabite to go into Bethlehem and try to be a part and be connected there. There were all kinds of reports. This was not an easy choice and decision. But Ruth says this, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to turn back from following after you, saying this to Naomi. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. 
the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything that but death parts you and me. Her heartfelt conviction about being committed to Naomi had to do with the end-all lineage connected to Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's how important your decisions about your connection, being committed to your connections, and staying connected is. You don't know. Ruth couldn't see the future. She couldn't see Jesus the Savior, right? She couldn't even see King David. All she saw is where she was at. But she couldn't get away from her conviction. And I'm telling you, that conviction of connection comes from the wisdom, the revelation, the understanding that comes from God's Word. Can you say amen to that? Another connection in the Old Testament was that of David and Jonathan. Next week, I'm going I'm to kind of delve into that, but I just want to read this, this one passage right here of David and Jonathan. And it says, then, David, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the... I wanted to read verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of, of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then in verse 3, it says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. And I want to talk to you next week about the significance of the soul of Jonathan and David, the significance in the New Testament of the soul of these two people and their connection, and everything that they were willing to give up. Notice he said, to you it might not mean anything, but I'm going to explain to you what this represented. His armor, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Literally giving up his life. Everything that meant something to him in the natural. To connect to the spiritual. Those divine connections are what cause us to live on top and not underneath. 1 Corinthians 1.10, and I'll end with this. He said, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's what divine connections produce because you and I value the connections that we have, when we value them, then how in the world could I ever let strife, division, anything else get between me 
and my connection. I can't. Impossible. Never allow it. Never can be. Ever. Because I am a link in this thing called the church, the house of God, the body of Jesus Christ in the earth. I'm a link that's got to be strong. No unbelief, no fear, no cares, no strife, nothing about myself, living a life of unselfishness, giving to others, sowing into the kingdom and the advancement of the kingdom of God so that the world can be saved and healed and delivered and set free. Ultimately, that's God's plan. It says in the book of Psalm, He said, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. What are the nations? That's your next door neighbor out. That's everybody out of your house on. Everybody on planet earth. He said, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance if you'll do it my way. You'll be connected and stay connected to me and do it my way. I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Wow. Some really interesting thoughts that I've given you today. Some things to take, to meditate on, to think about, mull over on the inside of you about how vitally important it is to be connected to the church, the body of Jesus Christ, that is ultimately the house of God that His eyes and His heart are on and in. Amen? And amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.